Hello and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today we welcome back a podcast favorite, Kathy Roperson, supply chain writer and research analyst for the Journal of Commerce. Also has a weekly newsletter called Freight Forward on LinkedIn, which I highly recommend that you subscribe to. And today we're taking on the 2024 outlook of freight, and there is lots to get through. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. I'm always happy when you can make time for us. So this is a big deal for me because there's no one better to give us insights on a full uh, perspective of transportation. So are you ready? No pressure here, huh? Yeah, (laughs) sure. No pressure. All right. Let's dive in. Um, You know, I want to start by reflecting on 2023. It was undoubtedly uh, a rough year for many motor carriers, and we saw an uptick in Q4 of net new carrier revocations. And so our team is predicting those numbers to increase quite dramatically in early Q1 as we sit today. What do you think was the biggest lesson learned from 2023 that could be applied this year to beat forthcoming volatility? Uh, big way to well, start. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the biggest lesson learned is to always be aware of the environment, be aware of the market, the overall market, you know, and yeah. um, be able to mitigate any potential yeah. risk. I mean, really get out a crystal ball and try to predict your upcoming risk. Uh, that, that, that is one of the lessons learned is that whole risk mitigation. Um, cautiousness, I mean, that's what we're going to be seeing as since we're beginning 2024. But a lot of the revocation from what I've read and from what I've heard, you know, it deals with a lot of the whole the double brokering issue that the uh, trucking has seen, as well as fraud problems. And there's probably going to need to be um, a bit more cleaning out, uh, you know, with the new year and such. So, yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see more of that. But at the same time, the trucking market is also undergoing, you know, the number of employees have declined, of course. I mean, with the yellow bankruptcy, uh, which really just exasperated the situation. You know, right before this call, um, I pulled one of the uh, stories, JOC stories, one that Bill Cassidy wrote, I believe, uh, last week. And it was on the on the employment uh, figures for trucking. It's titled U.S. Trucking Workforce on Edge of Seasonal Cliff After Job loss, Losses. Mm. Sounds pretty um, shaky there, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, at the beginning of this year, uh, well, Bill writes that um, for higher trucking companies beginning this year, um, they're starting the year off with the lowest number of employees since May 2022. So that kind of gives you a, a handle of what we're facing at the moment. And what's interesting is uh, basically, let's see here, uh, the sector gained 31,300 jobs from January through July of this past year. But then mm. they lost over 31,000 in August from yellow, primarily yeah. because of yellow. But from August through November, the sector um, only added 4,100 jobs. So oh, wow. the expectations is that this is going to probably continue into this yeah. year. 
my bet is that we're going to see more shedding of jobs or more of a holding pattern through at least the first half of this year. It's, yeah. 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 It's just there. I don't see any immediate improvements as far as job, you know, those, uh, the demand for uh, jobs in the trucking market and such. So, yeah. No, I think it's going to get worse before it gets mm-hmm. better. Right. I think we're yeah. going to see a lot of volatility as um, as carriers start to pay their insurance insurance premiums for January, yep. um, and if they're even able to make those those payments, right? Because yeah. a lot of the rates that they saw for pretty much all of 2023, with the exception of maybe the last two weeks of the year, were insanely low comparatively. So I do think, yeah, you're right. It's um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of those numbers really uh, increase, unfortunately, for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. So, but you bring up a really good point with the whole insurance. I mean, insurance, you also have truck payments, those that have purchased new, new vehicles over the past few years. It's going to be a stretch for quite a few to make those payments. It sure is. Yeah. We're going to see how that sort of nets out. uh, It's going to be another, I think, sort of uh, grim year, but, but I do think that there is hope towards the end of the year. So I don't want it to sound all like doom and, and gloom, but but at least, you yeah. know, we should be prepared for this at the top of the year. I agree. I agree. I, I think as the year progresses, we're going to start seeing yeah. improvements just simply because those inventory levels, for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, has kind of leveled off to... Right. I wouldn't say pre-pandemic levels because even then they were still too high. So there's mm-hmm. this some kind of normalcy going on in, in inventories. But at the same time, you've got consumers, you know, forgive me for saying it this way, but I mean, so many of them have talked themselves into believing, okay, we're facing a recession here, so we need to just clamp down and act like turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I worry that we're, we are all talking ourselves into a recession. Um, hmm. over the next couple of quarters. Economic numbers don't show it still. Yeah. Well, so. trucking is usually ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, these mm-hmm. types of cycles, which leads me into my next question. And maybe <laughs> the timing of this may be right. But Tim Hyam, uh, Hyam, CEO of Ascend TMS, was recently quoted as saying 2024 is going to, quote, <laughs> suck even more than 2023. By the end of 2024, we'll see things get better. So, Kathy, for you, where do you think the long-awaited swing will happen? So, <laughs> I kind of agree with Tim that the market's going to suck for a while. But I yeah. think we're going to, if it does start showing improvements, we're going to see it um, uh, right before peak season. Mm. So, okay. you know, that's, that's September beginning yeah. of September, uh, October time period. I, I hope it's earlier than that, but I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally don't think we're going to see an, and you know, and even then if we see any improvement, I don't see it being a massive improvement. Well, that's so. what I was going to ask you. If we, if you could take out a crystal ball, do you think anything could potentially change that? Like, do you think produce season could change that where we stand today? I mean, last year was, not great at all either. I mean, you know, we've got climate change going on, so it's kind of hard. I mean, right yeah. now, you look outside here, 
we've got about a couple of inches of rain, if not even more yeah. than that. We've just come through a big storm. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and the rainy season has shifted, it seems like. You know, it seems like we're off by a month or two. So yeah. we, we may. I mean, what was it? The peaches were wiped out in um, South Carolina. And, well, they were wiped out here in Georgia this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it depends on the particular produce. Because um, yeah. me personally, my garden, I I had more green beans than I could handle. So <laughs> Send them over to me, Kathy. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh, man. No, produce season this year is going to be very interesting because, you know, it has shifted because of climate change. And I think that's something that we really need to acknowledge. I think so, too, because it's usually what we start seeing produce season starting to pick up, what, March, April, May time period? Usually March. Yeah. March is at the very earliest. Okay. So it's going to be difficult. I mean, if we keep having weather patterns, you know, uh, such as the uh, massive rains or cold snaps or heat waves um, it will be difficult to predict how that's going to um, impact the trucking market and again that that's a risk that the trucking market's going to have to be prepared to you know um, to mitigate as well yeah so it could all come crumbling down in, in the summertime where it usually is uh, a Everything happens in the summer, right? Back to school season, um, uh, 4th of July, all of those things. Yeah, Labor Day. I mean, you also have like Labor the Day. Amazon Prime Day and all the That's other right. retailers having their own sales as well. That's got to be a tradition in the, the June-July period as well. So hopefully some of that. Um, but also, I mean, speaking of Amazon, Amazon is carrying more of their goods. Um so I'm not too sure how much that would impact the overall trucking market, perhaps. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think it depends on how, I mean, what we saw, I think, around the holiday season was that a lot of retailers were trying to beat Amazon out by introducing longer tailed sales, sales that yeah. were earlier and ended later. So we may see the same thing around June, July, especially depending on where the economy is by that point. That's, that's a really good point. Um, I can I can see that happening. I know I've I every day I get two particular retailers sending me emails every single day, uh, last chance clearance items, and I'm like, well, we'll talk offline about which ones those are because I bet I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they've been extending them. theirs um, almost every day now. Oh, boy. Well, at the tail end of uh, December, we started to hear of the Suez Canal and the Red Sea um, that were being avoided due to attacks and and really major security concerns. Now, shippers are starting to move their freight by air, which, I mean, would inevitably dramatically increase shipping costs. We know how expensive it is to ship by air or reroute. Some of them are starting to reroute as much as they can. These issues, Kathy, are not letting up, though, right? I mean, we heard about it in December. It seems like it's getting worse. Some outlets are predicting that we may even start to see some shortages as soon as February. So for you, do you think this will have an effect on the American economy, or do you think shippers will apply their resiliency plans from COVID-19 to avoid any real shortages? Which is basically me asking, have we learned? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, some things we did learn. And there are still others that we haven't learned. Let's just put it that yeah. way. 
and <laughs> and it, it it depends on the individual retailer manufacturer or whomever uh but yeah okay now you're talking to a, a former air freight forwarder and so, you know, <laughs> air freight is near and dear to my heart and yeah it is expensive to be yeah. uh, but it is an option so depending on that last minute inventory uh replenishment then yeah, yeah you need to take it but also the majority of the freight moving through that area tends to go to Europe and hmm. there are options between Asia and Europe and Europe besides air uh, you could also take advantage of the rail system um, okay yeah there is that cross country cross regional um, rail but there's also you know the whole air sea um, option where you could send it by ocean up to maybe the well you got to be careful up to a certain point and then fly it into Europe you know maybe yeah. to India and then from there fly it into Europe but um, as far as shortages go I think there has been one British retailer that has um, said that they're going to start seeing shortages within the next couple of weeks you know towards mid to late January uh, because oh, wow. of this situation others I mean, they're the first, they're the only ones I've heard of potential shortage, and that could possibly happen. But hmm. Europe, I think it would happen more on the Europe side. What's concerning is produce, um, your, your refrigerated produce, vegetables and mm-hmm. such that's moving along this route. That's going to need to switch over to air, um, mm. I think. And that will cause an increase in food items, which could play heavily on inflation that's already relatively high still in the Europe, European Union. For mm. here, I don't see shortages. Um, okay. I don't see that great. There may be some impact, um, but I don't think we're going to see shortages. Uh, definitely not toilet paper like we did at the beginning of the pandemic because toilet paper is made here in the U.S. Most of it is. Right. So we should be okay with that. So. Okay. So there's good news yet. <laughs> we won't see shortages on, on most of our goods for the most part. I, I, I think we'll be fine. I mean, there's there's other yeah. options um, to take. And, and it's interesting because we still have the Panama Canal issue. Even though they're letting mm. more ships go through, it's still a concern. So, which is really, if you think about it, benefiting the West Coast ports the u.s west coast ports so those items are more or less going to the la long beach ports you know that have lost uh market share because of the ilwu contract how long that took to pass um so they're gaining that market share back because of this uh but still the imports they're increasing on a month-to-month basis but it's still not uh, back up to par. Let's just put it that way. It's still relatively yeah. low numbers. Yeah. Do you think that will last through the through this entire year or yet to be seen? Well, the issue with the Middle East, it seems to be, it's a repeat almost. Um, you know, yeah. we had a similar situation occur several years ago. And, um, but this this time around, 
um, it's there. There are differences. I sh- I should say because I, I definitely don't want to get any emails telling me how wrong I am. No, um, no, no. That's that's totally fine. It is, and you know what? I will say, uh, and we don't have to dive is, deeper into this. Yeah, I, everything I mean, is just, everything is, is, is cyclical. Uh, yeah, and um, have we learned? It's difficult. You know, I was reading. Uh, I've been reading more and more articles about the death of globalization because mm. of things such as what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on with China, the geopolitical concerns and stuff, and yeah. how supply chains are going more regional. I've been writing about the regionalization of supply chains for over 10 years. This is a trend that has been going on a lot longer than just within the past couple of years or so. So. Yeah. Will we see the death of globalization because of things like this? No, we won't. Because regionalization yeah. is globalization in my eyes. Um, Mexico mm-hmm. is not part of the U.S. It's still a separate country. It's international. Right. Things such as that. So, yes, I digress. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. This is all. It's it's helpful to understand for context because I think what we're walking into in just as we record this today, nine days into the year, there is a lot of. Uh, anomalies. There's also a lot of lessons that can be applied from the same cycles that we've seen over the last 10, 20 years. And we're also heading into an election year, which throws everything for a loop. It really does. (laughs) It really does, because now we see politicians politicizing. And and we saw this during the pandemic, politicizing uh, supply chains. And, you know, this is a question we've got to ask ourselves as supply chain practitioners. How much of the government, how much involvement do we want from the government? I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I honestly, I, you know, I can't answer that one way or the other. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting to, well, what- to watch. Yeah. And, and, you know, you bring me to a beautiful segue. So thank you for this, because in November, (laughs) the Biden administration introduced a logistics plan with over 30 initiatives to help Mm -hmm. strengthen supply chain resilience and get goods into Americans' hands faster and cheaper. Uh, I want to go through a couple of the initiatives that were included. So if you will bear with me, I'll go review them for a bit. Um, let's see here. They some of these initiatives included the launch of the quadren, quadrennial, say that three times, <laughs> uh, supply chain review to update criteria on industry sectors and products defined as critical to national and economic security. There's also also the development of the national multimodal freight network to maintain and improve performance of that freight network across different industries. Um, Two more, they're addressing supply chain risk from threats and vulnerabilities inside U.S. ports, like we're just talking about, with the launch of a new supply chain resilience center via the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, And then this one I find to be quite interesting, Uh, not that the others weren't, but uh, they're also holding a supply chain data and analytics summit in 2024 to invite expert input into supply chain risk assessment models and tools, which is probably going to take care of all of the, or not probably, but the intention would be to take care of all of the risk to fraud, uh, you know, from, from fraud from a very broader perspective. Now, with all these long ter- long-term big picture initiatives, is this enough to really create true resilience in the supply chain? Like, what would you have liked to see included in this plan? 
uh, more shippers, uh, input from shippers, mm. uh, from uh, supply chain, uh, from carriers, from supply yeah. chain practice, folks in the supply chain um, business in yeah. the market. And, you know, more of that. I, you know, I don't know if this is going to help any or if it's just going to bog down uh, supply hmm. chains or create more cost for that matter. Uh, right. They have definitely, though, on the plus side, have, have raised awareness of the need. You know, they have th this awareness. Everyone now is, you know, well-versed in the need for data analytics, that visibility. And there is talk, I mm -hmm. think, within the FMC about the data connectivity between the ports. Uh, but trying to decide what data points who should be submitting that data you know those yeah. details of each of these tasks has yet to be worked out and you know as well as I do something like this that anytime a government takes on something like this it would take years to finally yeah. work itself out I'm not sure how beneficial to be honest with you I'm hopeful but I agree. Yeah, I, it, I it feels it. very big. Yeah, it feels very big picture. Let's do the research before we can tackle any plans. And, you know, that research could have been done by, like you said, inviting shippers to the table, inviting carriers to the table. I mean, there's pick yeah. any. There's t hundreds, thousands of them across the exactly. U.S. Now, you know, in all fairness, I think the FMC has invited shippers to comment and, and such. Um, over the past yeah. couple of years or so. And those have been very enlightening. Um, I know we had some sessions, if I'm not mistaken, at TPM about this last year or maybe the year mm -hmm. before, but it was fascinating to sit in and, and listen to each of the shippers' pain points and what broke the supply chain or what could have been better. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you know the FMC included them, and I hope with all of this, shippers are included more and, and such. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different, and the nuances I think are, are sort of mm -hmm. the untouched points that, you know, probably government uh, officials don't really like to touch too much on because it's, you yeah. know, you have to fix problems for very specific issues with one company that may not affect hundreds of others, but exactly. sometimes that creates the bottleneck. And, and also, yeah. you have to keep in mind, a supply chain for a large shipper is definitely different than a small shipper. So how do you incorporate... And across the, industries. And, I mean, there are more small to medium-sized shippers as well. So where do they fit into all of this? Yeah. So, yeah, well, and they, you're right. Like the they will find out. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. Yeah. The industries are very unique. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry, for example. Um there are specific FDA requirements on how to ship pharmaceutical items. You have retail, um, high tech, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah. So my hat's off to them for, for even trying to attempt something, but mm, I'm a little leery. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll have you back on at the end of the year. See if they if that report that they in introduced to us has anything of value. Oh, that would be interesting, um, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll a deep see. dive. Mm. 
Yeah, we'll see. Now, you know, as we look, uh, as we take a look at the logistics industry as a whole, what are some areas that you're keeping a close eye on? I know you've got a couple, so let's hear them. (laughs) Well, I mean, the whole overall trend of globalization is fascinating to me. It's always been fascinating. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was in um, uh, uh, university uh, a few years ago, uh, we won't say how many years ago that was but it a few was years just ago. Yeah. yeah a few years ago but it's, it's been interesting <laughs> the talk has been the same for well over 20 years and we're still talking about the same things we're talking about regionalization we're talking about nearshoring um mm. it's the same talk that was going on like i said 20 years ago just about um yeah. so i like to keep an eye on what's been said of course the red sea when is yeah. that going to be resolved? Will it be resolved? That's a, that's a big question there. Yeah. I don't see this being resolved anytime soon. Um, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong here. Uh, and you know me, my heart's always so with the uh, with the parcel uh, companies, UPS and FedEx. So with FedEx, we're looking at a a, a big change in their strategy this year mm-hmm. when FedEx ground. Uh, gets merged into FedEx Express. Uh, that's going to be fascinating uh, to watch to see how oh, yeah. how successful that is. But also at the same time, FedEx is facing a contract negotiation with the post office that expires in September. Um, oh boy! Yeah, post office is the FedEx is FedEx Express's largest customer, and they've been losing a lot of volume because the post office doesn't want to use air freight because it costs too much. It costs too much. So watching that. But the other big trend is labor. And my son Mm. keeps telling me, don't call workers labor. So let me rephrase that. Workers. Unions. Unions have gained. um, They had a, I hate to phrase it this, this way, but they had a good year last year. They Absolutely. Neg- yeah. They negotiated a fantastic contract with with UPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ILWU negotiated a good contract for its workers, and yeah. we're seeing more companies uh, unionize. Teamsters are eyeing Amazon, so there's a big there's a big question mark there. Will the Teamsters be successful with Amazon? Um, oh man yeah and you've got union um issues within the trucking market i mean we saw yellow fall you know a huge um teamster company and a lot of those workers still have yet to find jobs and what has turned into a primarily non-union trucking mark ltl market so you know how that plays out it's going to be interesting yeah. to watch as well. There's a lot. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot. <laughs> I know. Well, I have to ask you, as I as we close out, I mean, we've got a lot of hot takes sprinkled throughout the show, but any really big predictions that you're looking, that, that you want to make this year, whether that <laughs> is a blanket statement on the state of the markets or, or uh, granular, where, whatever you see fit. Uh, don't expect huge improvements anywhere in the supply chain. <laughs> yep. I honest, yeah, there's not going to be any huge improvements this year. 
I just, I, I yeah. don't see it, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, if we see any big improvements, we're looking at 2025, 2026, perhaps. Um, but this year, it's still going to be all about, I mean, it's always about risk. Don't get me wrong. But that's going to yeah. be at the forefront. If shippers, carriers, everyone in the supply chain world is mitigating those risks. It's it's always been important, but I think this year with what's going on in the Middle East, geopolitical concerns, we've seen yeah. uh, various uh, ports along the U.S.-Mexico border shutting down because of uh, right. migrants trying to uh, ride the rails or what have you. That's going to continue until it's resolved. And, I, and let right. me just say, you know, building a big massive wall is not going to solve it um yeah you know because you can either dig under it or you can break it tear it down i mean we've seen that in history so something's got to give there as well yeah so yeah Woo! this year is going to be a volatile <laughs> one how exciting yeah. <laughs> how very exciting yeah you know it, i have to say i think what we are expecting as a i think the industry was flipped on its head for COVID. Right. Yeah. Things are moving yeah. very quickly to to uh, to not only resuscitate the industry, but also salvage what is left of what we had. And we are just simply not moving in that same um, at that same pace anymore. We are it's back totally, to where we were prior to it. Well, it's, right? it's different than prior. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And and that I think is what has everyone turned around on on their heads. It's It's like, you know we've got to get a grasp of what's going on what is this right. <laughs> new normal you know normal is really not the right word um and i'm not sure what that what the right word is i mean we're we're in a different situation than we were this time in 2019 or even this time well, in 2020 the, yeah bill cassidy said this is not a rebound this is 2024 is going to be a reset and it's one of my favorite things that has been That's said because way. I think it, right? You have yeah. to change the, the mentality. What has worked won't work and what will work exactly. is certainly I mean, different. You need to take a look back at history, but don't expect it yeah. to totally repeat itself. I mean, the overall trends tend to repeat, but how they were resolved sure. is going to be different. And Bill, as much as I love Bill, we've talked about that. Um, <laughs> I'm not too sure it's going to be a complete reset. I think I think we started resetting or trying to reset last year, and it's still going on. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. we're not going to see the end of this reset. When will this reset stop? That's a good Who question. Knows? Yeah. Yeah. Kathy, always such a pleasure to have you on. Now, I know that we have talked about your newsletter on LinkedIn, The Freight Forward, <laughs> uh, which every Monday, if I'm not mistaken, right? Every Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday. Okay. Every and Monday. where else can we see you if we want to hear more from you? Uh, well, <laughs> you can take a gander at my, my LinkedIn page, which is uh, Logistics Trends and Insights. That is my little, my little business. So when I'm not working with JOC or the Reverse Logistics Association, you can find me there. I try to post something on a daily basis. You can also find me on Twitter. <laughs> Sometimes those conversations may get a little interesting. Let's just put it that way. But my Twitter handle is CM 
Roberson06, and I forgot, it's no longer called Twitter, is it? Um, it's X, but whatever, it's still it's Twitter. It's still going to be Twitter me, so yeah. sorry, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kathy, thank you so much. And, and if, we'll, if you'll come back, we'll have you, uh, you know, in, in Q3, Q4 to see where the market landed and if it was as grim as we predicted in this episode. <laughs> well, you know, this time, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But yeah, I, I would so love too. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me today. Always. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.